Ready to revolutionize your higher ed marketing game? Yes! Well, then don't miss out on Element 451's Engage Summit, June 27 and 28. Explore the cutting-edge world of education and AI technology and unleash your creativity like never before. Register today at engage.element451.com and use promo code EDUP50 for $50 off. The Global Gathering for Educators and Institutions is here. Anthology Together is where inspiration, connection, networking, and ed tech insight and innovation intersect into the premier event destination for the global education community. Registration is open. Go to anthologytogether.com. Welcome back, everybody. It's your time to add up on the Ed Up Experience podcast, where we make education your business. Dr. Joe Lucio back with you on another episode. And uh, I'm excited to tell you today, um, and uh, I'm proud to tell you today that Commencement, you know the book that I co-wrote with Kate Colbert, it's called Commencement, the Beginning of a New Era in Higher Education. We have sold thousands of copies of it, and one of the institutions, uh, their president came on not too long ago, and right after I got off the um, uh, recording with him, he ordered 400 copies of the book for his faculty and staff. And that's where I go, wow, we're really making a difference to, to get this book in front of people when, when our presidents who we interview see such value in it to give to their faculty and staff. So I, I want to thank those of you out there that have gotten a copy. Of course, there's so much going on, on in and around higher education today, and we like to bring amazing people to the microphone that either have something in common or have a common interest in something or or whatever, just a need to meet. And we've got two of those people with us today. I've got uh, now a second time co-host with me, which means I do have to send him the mug. I've got a lot of mugs still to send out, which means I need more co-hosts, but there'll be one less uh, now that he's on. So it means I got to get his address and send him the mug, which says co-host on it, of course. Uh, wow. So he'll get to add it to the the um, beautiful bookshelf back there that has the name of his institution on it. It, it will go in from the spot. Yes, he is the one and only Jordy Highland. He is the president and CEO of the American College of Education. Jordy, what's going on? Not much. I, I love uh, helping out, and uh, I didn't even know I'd get a mug. So that's you didn't know uh, you'd get a mug, and you still came bonus. back. Yes. Yeah, you still came back. That, so that, that's why I want to give it to you. Some people come back just for the mug. It is a nice mug. I'll be honest; they don't really care about me, uh, but they want the mug. So uh, I appreciate you, Jordy, and, and we're gonna we're gonna send you the mug so you have it for that bookshelf. And the next time you come on, I'm gonna go, "Hey, look at that mug back there, Jordy." You know, awesome. that's yep, they will be placement. in a, a place of prominence. So you'll see it right over, that's right. over my head. Right. Product placement for the Edifix. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only way we survive here at this podcast, ladies and gentlemen, the only way we survive. Um, but we do bring on great guests. We've got another one for you today. Here she is. I'm going to bring in right now. Her name is Jenny Jordan. She's the executive director of Teach Start. Jenny, what's happening? Hey, I'm excited to be here. Excited to chat about our work and our efforts to bring more folks into teaching. Oh, isn't that something that is worth talking about? And like one of the hardest things to talk about these days is, is we see, I don't know, the, teach, the teaching industry ultimately disruptive on many levels. But before we get into what I think is going to be a riveting conversation today, Jenny, what is Teach Start? So lay the foundation for us. What is it? What do you do? How do you do it? And we'll go from there. Yeah. So we started Teach Start because we really believe that there are a lot of people out there who can be incredible teachers, but for whom the current pathways into the profession just don't work. Yes. In a teacher shortage, we're post-pandemic, we have really high rates of teacher attrition, and all of that is true. 
It is also true though, that there are a lot of people out there raising their hand saying, I want to serve my community in this way. I want to teach. I want a job that is a solid pathway into the middle class, but I can't get in because the way we've constructed teaching in this country is, is very tough. The training is very expensive. Um, the pathways in are prohibitive to folks who are first-generation college, often folks who are people of color, the folks that we most need teaching our students are often blocked out. So that's the problem that we're trying to solve. Teach Start solves that by recruiting educators to work for a full year as substitute teachers or paraprofessionals. And during that year, they get a debt-free teaching credential. So instead of incurring 60K in debt, which is the average teacher debt, they get a credential debt-free and they got to work during that year with benefits and paid time off and paid time to train so they could support their families. Amazing. Um, we're excited to have a way that is supporting people who are working adults facing all of the financial challenges that working adults face and help them become the teachers that they want to be and that our kids need. Wow. Well, you know, you Jordi will probably know more about this than me, but I do know that there is a lot of, uh, it is very hard to become a teacher, especially because it feels like each state has its own, like you need this state requirement, or you have to be a resident of this state or have been in this state for this long or get this credential or that credential. It can be very confusing, especially for somebody that's moving states or otherwise, but even just getting into it, there's certain classes that you have to take or certain programs that you have to take. I, I will tell you at Lindenwood, where I work at Lindenwood University, we've had people come out, we have uh, elementary education and so on, and they'll go, oh, I didn't take this one course that I needed to get this certification, and now I, I can't go into the field and teach like I want to. How did I miss this course? It's like, whoa, um, there's a lot there. How, how, do you, how do you work through this? Because boy, isn't it just designed to keep people out? That's exactly right. You know, there's there's the financial barriers of having to go to, to school and incur all this debt, but there's also these sort of logistical or bureaucratic barriers that you're talking about where it can literally be one one course. We had one educator who was going to be blocked out because they had spelled their middle name wrong on one form. Yikes. And so they couldn't get a permit um, for that school year. We were able to help them and step in and get them able to teach in schools, but those are the kinds of barriers that without support people are blocked out of the classroom. So we're both saying we have this teacher shortage, come teach, but then we're creating these systems that keep people from actually doing that. Thinking of one educator in particular, um, her name is Jasmine. She always wanted to be a teacher her whole life. She was first-generation college, graduated college, and just like you just, just shared, didn't have quite the right credentials to actually be able to teach, but decided to not let that derail her dream, became a preschool teacher, did that for a decade, but then reached a point where she couldn't support her family on that, was ready to leave teaching until she found Teach Start. And we were able to help her take all of her great experience, both being from the community and having taught preschool. And now she's teaching elementary school in the community she grew up in. So we're really grateful that we're able to serve people like her. And I know there are so many other people like Jasmine who want to be teachers and haven't yet found a program like ours and that are being stuck by these, these really small things that really shouldn't be getting in people's way. Jordi, I'm going to pass it to you, but let me just soapbox for a minute as a, a dad of two kids. I just go, how in the universe could we possibly pay teachers what we pay them? And, and I mean, these are people that literally teach our kids every day. And I, I will tell you, if you think your job is hard, 
I feel like if I had to go and I, I haven't done it, but if I had to go teach a class of kids all day, every day, that that would be harder than any job I've ever held. And so we give them the hardest job on earth. I can't even watch my own two kids. Uh, and, and by the way, you got to give them knowledge and they're, they're, they're like the keeper of your children while they're there. Um, they work in this insane environment now from a safety perspective, which is compromised and, you know, why people go into schools and do the things that they do from a violence perspective. But it's like, why do we pay them so low? And why is it so hard to recognize this profession? Jordi, I'll just so stop soapboxing, but it, 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 it's agonizing uh, to me. It, it feels like we just, there's no common sense in it. No, for sure. And those are all uh, very valid points, Joe. Um, so, Jenny, I love what you do, and I think you're doing really important work at, at Teach Start. Um, just uh, why do you think there that, that so this earn as as you learn concept, um, which is so valuable and and uh, really helps open up doors for others that that may not other have opportunities. Why do you think there aren't more programs like like yours that that facilitate that? Yeah, you know, I think we tend in our education systems to underestimate and underappreciate our substitute teachers. The average student receives a year of instruction from a substitute by the time they graduate high school across their education. And two thirds of those subs have no training. You know, so I'm, I'm also a parent. When I think about my kid getting a year of their teaching is from someone untrained. It's pretty wild, but we just don't think of subs as a core part of our system. And so I think what we've unlocked here is saying substitutes are really crucial. Substitutes deserve training and respect and professional wages with benefits and paid time off. And those substitutes are so well positioned to become full-time teachers. So let's solve two problems here. Let's recruit substitutes. Let's train them. Let's get them ready to be awesome in schools today. And then let them become full-time teachers tomorrow so that hopefully as the flywheel keeps turning, we actually need fewer subs because we have enough full-time teachers in the classroom. Oh, yeah. Do you think, uh, by the way, I don't know about you guys, but when there was a substitute teacher that didn't teach that well, I celebrated those moments. It was the <laughs> ones that actually made me learn. This, oh, it's this teacher, she's going to make us do homework. That's when you know you have a good substitute is they stick to, the, to whatever the curriculum is that they actually make the kids work, right? <laughs> Right. It's not just a movie or whatever, gym time. Go ahead, Jordy. Oh, great. So, um, yeah, that that uh, all made per perfect sense, Jenny. Um, I think one of the um, the exciting things about what you're doing is you're obviously facilitating career pathways. And um, I think in uh, with substitute teachers and with with um, the teaching profession, um, those expectations may not be there. So you're 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 almost you're creating a new way of thinking about um, about the, the profession, which I think, to your point, will allow more people to come into it and, and also stay in it. Um, is it ever difficult to um, to communicate that or, or to get that that path, that um, concept about career pathways, uh, not only to prospective learners, but to um, employers? Yeah, I think often because our school systems are so stretched, they're focused on just the immediate crisis right in front of them. So sometimes that's not figuring out your pipeline of teachers for a year from now. But I deeply believe that the crises in front of us and in front of our schools will be more manageable and potentially diminished if we can get enough competent, trained, diverse adults in the building. 
And I'm thinking about one educator I know who's taught for about a decade, Mr. Gallindo, who told me that in the average school year, his elementary school had about 10 fights a year. But now with the teacher shortage, they're having 10 a week. Oh my gosh. So if you're the principal, it makes sense that you're really just focused on keeping the fires out and not, you know, allowing things to completely fall apart. But what that means if we're not focusing on recruiting great substitutes, recruiting great teachers for next year is that this, this vicious cycle will just continue more and more teachers quit. The number of fights become more and more, uh, you know, as you, as you can imagine, it just becomes an untenable situation. And so we need to create systems that support our, our schools and our school leaders and tackling the problems in front of them while also leveraging the talent in their schools, like subs and paraprofessionals to build a pipeline for the future. Jenny, what is it that, you know, when we talk, you hear everybody say it, there's a shortage of teachers, but COVID obviously did some of that and whatever, but okay, let's, we get by that. And now is it pay? Is it barrier to entry? Is it the whole tenure? And, and you know what, because I feel like there's a lot of people that say, I want to be a teacher. And then, you know, in post-secondary ed, I see them go into other majors. Like they start out thinking they want to be a teacher and they end up doing something else related, but, you know, it could be clinical mental health or, you know, it could be higher education or something, the elementary education. It's like they, they there's this branch that they don't stay on and they end up si being siphoned off. It can't be, it's like, it can't be about money yet because they haven't even figured out how to get there. Is it just barrier? Is it just too hard? I th yeah, I, um, I think this is a great question. And you're right, it's not just the pandemic. We've seen a 20% drop in teacher prep enrollment in the last decade. So predating the pandemic, right? I think the crux of the problem is that we've designed pathways into teaching for, in a way that doesn't work for this generation. True. It used to be that you would become a teacher and you'd stay in your same district for your whole career. And that was your career. We know that that's not how millennials or Gen Z approaches their careers. They want flexibility. They want to be able to career change. They want to be able to move. Um, and so we need more pathways that give people the training they need that still get students, the teachers that they deserve in terms of readiness, but that let folks enter in ways that are more lightweight and, and can be explored during adulthood. You know, so our average age of, of our teachers is 32. A quarter of them are parents. These are folks who didn't decide to be a teacher when they were 17 or 18 enrolling in their college, but for many reasons have decided this is now what they want to do with their lives and how they want to serve their community. And so we need more options for folks to enter when they come to this realization later in life. Yeah. And the reason I bring up the pay before I kick it back to you, Jordy, because going into it, somebody that says, I want to be a teacher, they know they have a pretty good idea of what the professional environment's going to look like and what the pay is. And they know that and they still want to become a teacher, which I mean, the passion, it's like nurses and teachers and they're policemen and police women and firemen and firewomen. It's like, there's some careers that are just the best. They're the most noble, but then you get in there and there is something to earnings that keeps you in it. Mm -hmm. um, which is something else that has to be addressed. Is that being addressed out there, Jenny, or is that we're not even there yet? The earnings piece? The earnings, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you're you're definitely right that even for folks who become a teacher, the earnings are a barrier, particularly when coupled with student debt. So Stanford did a study a few years ago that found that in the Bay Area, student debt was a number one driver of teachers quitting of attrition. Nice. So you know, it's, it's obviously harder to fix the, the, 
salary issues more globally and across the board. But I think what we can fix is finding debt-free earn and learn pathways like ours and other models that I'm excited about that allow folks to become teachers without incurring that debt that is driving them out given the salaries. Don't settle for average marketing strategies. Join us at the Element 451 Engage Summit, June 27 and 28, and discover how to harness the power of AI technology in higher ed marketing, connect with industry leaders, explore cutting-edge technologies, and future-proof your marketing strategy. Use promo code EDUP50 for $50 off. Register now at engage.element451.com. Their premier EdTech event is right around the corner. Epic. Anthology Together is the destination for visionaries, educators, and learners ready to unleash the power of education technology. EdUp will be on site for the thought-provoking keynotes, peer-driven discussions, and unparalleled networking opportunities. We guarantee you will leave inspired and connected. You don't want to miss it. Book your tickets to Nashville for AT23. July 17th to July 20th, register today at anthologytogether.com. Yeah, Jordy. Yeah, great. Jenny, uh, one of your examples earlier was about um, a, uh, a student that faced a lot of, it sounded like bureaucratic uh, barriers, mm -hmm. and it sounded like your, your team provided excellent support in helping them navigate the barriers. Um, are there, do you see sort of systemic um, paths to reducing those barriers, or, or what do you think are the... Um, Given that there's, you know, there's so many shortages, are there other ways that that those bureaucratic challenges can can be reduced? Do you see any pathways there? Yeah, you know, this is it's tough because we never want to say that we want to sort of lower the bar, right? That's not what we want to be about. We want to continue to hold a high bar for entering educators, and a lot of the bureaucratic hurdles are not about holding a high bar. They really do just feel like hurdles. Um, so I think some of the ways in which permitting happens can shift. I think some of the ways in which the landscape to earn your teaching credential is so complicated state by state can shift. So the fact that it's very, I, am, I know an educator who taught for a decade in Texas, wanted to move home to LA where she was from, and it became so complicated. She just gave up and got a different career. What the um, heck is going on? So, you know, to, to take folks, that's, that is our low-hanging fruit. They've already taught. They love teaching their experience, but we've made it so difficult for folks to move state to state. And as I was saying before, millennials, Gen Z, they do move to state to state. They need that flexibility. So we need to build systems where there is more reciprocity across states. What is it like? Where, I mean, so let, let's step back. You go to Teach Start. I want to give some um, stats from your website and then like you to talk a little bit about your geographic uh, impact right now on where, where you see yourself going, but some stats from your website, 200,000 teachers are the shortage projected by 2025. So we're going to be short 200,000 teachers. You think about that number and it's mind boggling. 30% uh, of substitute vacancies are unfilled each day. So 30% of classrooms don't end up with a substitute. And what, what the, um, impact is on operations of a school not to have somebody in the classroom. 33% teachers are in or entering into retirement age. So that's creating the shortage, I bet. And then 20% are teachers of color versus 80% of the students uh, being students of color. Um, wow. 
those are some impactful stats. Talk about Teach Start geographically. Where are you? Where's your expansion going? How, how, how do I get it in my state uh, is what somebody's thinking right now. Yeah. So right now we're in California and Arizona. Definitely thinking about expansion and excited about expansion. You know, the thing that we need to go somewhere new is funding. Getting our operations set up and running in a new place is costly. Our model is financially standalone once we're operating because we're tapping into the existing funds that schools already spend on substitute teachers, which are, of course, a pre-existing need. We're just using that money smarter. But we do need funds to get up and running in a new place. So that, that's the main thing. Um, and then we need to, you know, come up the learning curve around the local context, like I was saying before, around the, the how challenging it can be to go state to state, figuring that out. That, that, that piece we we can navigate, and that's what our team is expert in, is figuring out the local permitting and credentialing landscape. That's wonderful. Um, just with the, um, the some of the stats that Joe mentioned on your website um, and the, the shortages, is it ever difficult to, um, to I guess, articulate or um, convey the negative impact of the shortages um, to, to administrators and, and just the sort of day-to-day -day reality of the shortages, or, or do you find that's, that's not a challenge? I think, unfortunately, people really deeply get the impact of the shortages because they are so painful. So, you know, I am working with a school district where the head of HR, instead of doing their important job, about once a week is having to go teach in a school because they can't find a sub. Wow. Obviously, teaching is crucial work, but that's not what that person is best equipped to do to move the system forward and solving this shortage. Talk to principals who are having to do the same of step in and lead a classroom all day instead of doing their work. I know a principal who canceled any professional development for his educators for this year because he couldn't find substitutes. So that means his teachers are getting no training to better support their students because they can't find subs. Um, people are really seeing, seeing this and seeing the pain point of the substitute teacher shortage and the broader teacher shortage. Um, there's just a hard time finding solutions. What can we do as individuals? You know, um, you're in two states. There's there's a lot of other states out there. How do we start to, I don't know, break down the barriers of getting kids, uh, kids or adults into teaching and keeping them there? Is there like a foundational point of which you work from? If you're going to choose to go into another state, what's state number three? How would you choose that? Is it the progressiveness in that state when it comes to breaking down teacher barriers? Is it, uh, is it the licensing is easier or the fee structure? Or I mean, how do you look at a state and go, we, we need to be there? Yeah. We want to be in the places where there are a lot of folks saying, I want to be a teacher, but for whom it's too hard. So there actually are some states where it's not, not that challenging to become a teacher. Um, where I think we could argue that the bar is, is too low. We wanna to go to the places where the bureaucracy is so complicated and the financial costs are so high that people need the boost that we offer. I like that. Uh, that's, a, that's a good way to look at it. So what does this look like for you? What's your strategic plan saying about Teach Start? Where you, what's the next five years look like for you? Yeah. Um, the first thing is we want to significantly grow our impact. We want to be serving 2,500 educators a year in the next five years. 
Um, and we think we can get there. You know, as I said, we've recruited nearly 300 educators um, just about a year in. And we've done that truly in some pretty low lift ways, which I think is proof of our belief that there are folks who want to be teachers if we can make it possible for them. And so I believe that we can find those educators um, and help them up the path. So that's that's the main thing is, is grow our impact in that way. We want to do that in deep partnership with our schools and with our communities. We want to be the go-to talent partner for the schools that we serve. Um, we want to work with our principals to ensure that the educators that we're training are ready to come in and be successful in their schools. How do you, uh, before, Jordy, before you go, I just want to ask quick, quick, uh, Jenny, to you, how, how do you get to this point? I mean, what what happened with your background? You know, t typically when you get into something like this, there is a trigger point where, you know, somebody goes, you know what, I've got to change this. Can you talk about your background just a little bit? And what was that trigger point for you to, to get into doing something like Teach Smart? Yeah. Um, so I've been in education my whole career. Was most recently in the teacher recruitment and training space. And what I was seeing was that we had these folks that would say yes to becoming a teacher. You know, like you were talking about before, Joe, people who maybe start down the pathway um, of teacher teacher college. Um, but these folks got all the way through a selection process, um, a, a, an onboarding process, and then would quit, you know, the day before training or the day before school. They were often educators of color, often first-generation college. And so what that told me was that there are people who wanna be teachers but when the rubber hits the road, when it becomes really real from a bureaucratic or financial standpoint, we're losing them. And so that's what sparked this journey of asking the question of how could we design a model that lets those people enter the classroom, the people who are saying, I want to teach. It's not, we don't have to go out and convince somebody who's planning on, you know, being an investment banker to teach. We can take the, the sort of captive population of folks that are saying, I want to teach, I want to serve my community this way and help them and overcome those barriers. And uh, when when uh, you have um, folks like that that uh, want to already want to get in, um, but they clearly need um, some mentoring and, and support, and you've given some examples of of the the type of support that your organization provides, um, can you speak a bit about just how important the the mentoring side of of things are um, for those individuals? Yeah, I, th I think it's crucial. I think it's crucial on a few measures. One is just helping folks navigate the bureaucratic complexities. You know, I was chatting to someone who works at um, the California State Department of Education who said, you all are like the the UX or the user experience for becoming a teacher, you know? Um, so Beautiful. I there's a, an element of just UX needed for becoming a teacher in most states where it's quite complicated. That's the first line of mentoring and support that we provide. And then the second is around entering this new career that is incredible and rewarding, but also challenging. So we provide training that I'm really proud of. Our educators have given it really positive feedback um, that helps people be ready with the core skills that they'll need. And then we follow that up with someone who's working with them and supporting them on everything from, I had this challenge with my students today to how do I talk to my principal about this other challenge to, gosh, I'm really struggling to make it worked to pursue my credential and raise my kids and teach, help me brainstorm some ideas. It's a rapidly, go ahead, Jordi. I see you're coming back in. No, I'm just going to say thank you and pass it back to you. Yeah. I mean, this is one heck of an industry right now. And, and, uh, you know, there's a, do you have, um, 
because I, I mean, I talk about it with my wife. I mean, there's schools have been a place where things that are that happen in schools are not supposed to happen in schools, intruders and, you know, mm-hmm. all these things. D- does does that dissuade the teaching profession right now? Because schools, no matter what kind of schools they are, seem to be these, you know, we talk about it in higher ed all the time, too. It's like it's somebody's on campus. What is that going to mean for us? And, you know, is there is there a safety vibe that we have to get over now to be in education? Mm-hmm. Gosh, that hits so close to home. You know, as a parent myself, you know, I haven't heard that. I haven't heard from our aspiring educators a lot of questions or concerns about that, but I do have to wonder what the impact will be longer term if we can't sort of figure this out as a country. Um, so I don't, it's not not emerged yet in our conversations with folks, but I think you're probably right that it, it could be latent and make yet another barrier to, to growing the workforce that we need for our students. Yeah, if you think it, I, and the reason why this is such an important conversation is you actually think of what mentally you have to work through to become a teacher mm-hmm. and the, 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 the environmental aspects, the bureaucratic aspects, to end up on the backside being paid on the lower end of a scale to, and to do things that are way harder than if you want to go become an accountant, um, you know, or, or do something. It's like the, there's just a different, I don't know, we make it really hard to do a really important job. And that's why I, had, I was, was so excited to talk with you today, Jenny, because it's the, the, I don't know, awareness. It's like, hey, guys, if we don't figure this out, no one's going to teach your kids anymore. And then what are you going to do? Oh, they're going to be homeschooled. You're not going to be able to work. You're going to be home. Have you ever tried to homeschool before? You remember how much you sweat during the pandemic when you tried to teach your kids? I do. I was in a a panic sweat trying to to tell my five-year-old, four-year-old what to do. And I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it for 10 minutes. It's like, we better figure it out. And I don't think there's a wide adoption around how critical of an issue this is. Or, Or is there? You know, yeah, my hope after the pandemic was this will finally be the moment where we see how crucial teachers are. I don't know that that's happened, but I do believe that there's energy and urgency around the importance of teachers. I think people who do this work in and around schools are often prone to chasing the next shiny object, the next shiny solution. And I'm feeling grateful and gratified that it does feel in the last year that our community has really come together and said, it's teachers. Teachers are the thing. We need to return to the root, which is supporting the people in front of our kids, finding great people in front of our kids, finding diverse people to be in front of our kids and giving them great training. And it does feel like we're coalescing again as a movement on that being the crux. And so I do feel grateful for that and grateful that we get to do that sort of work. It's like you have to, it's like the advertising is remember how you felt during COVID when you had to teach your own kids. <laughs> right. Right. I right. remember having a conversation with my wife because both my kids were little kids and they're on Zoom and they're, we're trying to get them to sit in the chair, just sit in the chair to be on the computer for, for 10 minutes, please. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about, cause we were in California and California is expensive, right? If you live in California, there's lots of expense and gas is like $8 a gallon. We were talking about groceries and I'm like, don't buy milk anymore. Let's get a tutor instead. Like I would rather go starving than have to do this myself. I I would (laughs) pay a professional. I can't do it. And you remember that feeling and you go, okay, I remember how important teachers are. So it's very easy to forget. Yeah. Yeah. They, they are crucial and, and require training. And I, I deeply believe that 
teaching is the most rewarding career one can have. And to get folks there, they need training and support. Mm. You know a little bit about that stuff, don't you, Jordy? Yes. Yeah. I mean, my organization also focuses on that. Um, Jenny, the um, so clearly uh, there were challenges with uh, parents at home trying to trying to teach their their children, as Joe pointed out. Um, but I'm, I'm I know with your organization, what you're trying to do is is create great teachers and for them to have a an impact. Can can you talk a bit about your view about what what makes a great teacher and what impact a great teacher can have? Good question. I love that question. One of my favorite things to do um, when I'm in a gathering of people is to ask them to go around the room and share a story about a teacher who impacted them. And it's, you always hear incredible stories um, and, and just walk away feeling motivated. So I think a great teacher is one who builds deep relationships with their students. I think a great teacher is one who knows their content well and who knows what kids need to master that content. Um, I think a great teacher is one who knows how to do this work in a way that sustains themselves for the long term. You know, we see a lot of teachers come in and burn themselves out because of the challenges in front of them. I think great teaching requires being able to hold your students' needs alongside of your needs, um, which isn't always easy to do. That's great, thank you. And um, can you just talk a bit about what, so someone that can do all of that well, how does that impact our, um, our not only our school systems, but our, our communities in a positive way? Okay. Let me talk about one of our educators from our pilot year who's teaching down in LA. Um, so this educators from the community that they're serving in uh, teach, again, in that community that they were serving in, taught high school math and did so in such a way that really built relationships with students. You know, they, what they shared is that students were coming to them and saying, I've, I've never had somebody believe in me before that I could do math. I didn't think I could be good at math. I didn't think that this was something that was, was possible for me or in my future. Um, and though they were sort of, you know, quote, just a sub and not their primary teacher, just their presence in that school, that impact in that school, I think was was really transformative for kids. And that person then was hired to teach full-time the next year as a math teacher, which is especially important because of the shortage area of math teachers. Um, and then for, again, for these students to have someone who believes in them. I, I had one of the students say to me, it just really seems like he likes me, which it feels like such a small thing, but you know, for a kid to have that and for that to be something that a kid doesn't typically have, particularly in a math setting, I think is really powerful. Excellent. Um, you know, I do and I say one thing too. You can't save every teacher who's transitioning out of teaching. There are a lot of teachers that transition into the workforce. And teaching experience is very valuable in any context, any business context. So I just want to put that out there for anybody who's hiring. To, to look at teachers, if they've left the profession, they've left the profession, but it doesn't mean that they can't kill it for your institution. Um, so we wanna obviously keep them in teaching, but we also wanna give teachers opportunity if they decide to leave the profession. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you pigeonhole them, oh, they're a teacher and uh, you know, can't can't do, you know, just, oh no, it's grit in there, some grit and perseverance uh, mm -hmm. in there to teach a classroom full of kids. I just have tons of respect for teachers because I, I remember, I remind myself how I could never do it. I could mm -hmm. never be a teacher. I know it. I would fail instantly. It's one of the jobs where 
you know, people ask you, you could do this, right? Yeah, I could do that. I could see myself. Yeah, I could, I could figure out how to weld something if I had to. <laughs> could you go uh, teach a class and full of students? Absolutely not. Unequivocally, no <laughs> chance in hell that, that I could do that effectively. I would fail immediately. And, and so I have so much respect for those that can succeed. Um, and, ha and having kids makes a, I think, gives you the extra oomph. So what do you, um, Jenny, what, tell us what we haven't talked about uh, when it comes to Teach Start. Anything coming up, anything that you wanted us to know today that you didn't get a chance to say? An open microphone for you. Yeah. Well, one thing that that is crucial in our work and as we grow is our support for paraprofessionals. So we've spoken a lot about substitutes. Paraprofessionals are those folks who are working one-on-one -on -one with students, often in a special education setting. We believe that just like substitutes, paraprofessionals are under supported and under leveraged as a pipeline for talent. So really excited also about as we grow, tapping into that market of, of paraprofessionals. But I think the main thing that I just wanna leave folks with is optimism and hope for our students and for our profession of teaching. Because again and again, what I hear when I get on the phone with our current educators or our prospective recruits is deep excitement about this work. You know, I've had folks burst into tears saying, I didn't know I could be a teacher. I always wanted to be. And I thought I, that wasn't possible for me because of my life circumstance. There are a lot of people out there um, and we can we can find a way to bring them in, into the profession and into our schools. Epic. Tell us what you see for the future of teacher education, Jenny. What does the future hold? Yeah. Um, I think we need more programs like ours that allow folks to get their feet wet in real schools with real students early. It feels crucial to me that people can try out this profession before they're locked into it. It's crucial both for the educators and for students. We don't want people teaching who accrued 60K in debt, so now they're sort of trapped. We want people doing this work because they deeply believe in it um, and feel, feel called to do it. Um, so that to me is one really important piece is more, more experiences, whether it's our model or something like a teacher residency where folks get real experience in front of students. Mm, nothing like experience to, to mm -hmm. gotta know it. You gotta try it. You have to figure it out if it's for you and then you'll be even better uh, yeah. at the job. Wow. I love this conversation. I, I appreciate you so much coming on the podcast, Jenny, uh, Jordy, any uh, final words from you? No, just uh, really enjoyed the conversation and learned a lot. So thank you very much, Jenny. Yeah, thank you both. That's my guest co-host right there. He is the one and only Jordy Hyland. He is the president and CEO of the American College of Education. He knows a thing or two about education as well. That's why he's the president and CEO at that university. Um, but somebody that knows a lot about teacher education is our guest today. She's your guest today. Her name is Jenny Jordan. She's been amazing. She's the executive director of Teach Start. And uh, please check them out. What's the website, Jenny? And how do we find you if we want to talk more about teacher education? Yeah, so we're at teachstart.org. Um, that's our website. Check us out, learn more. And you can shoot me an email. I'm jenny.j at teachstart.org. With that, ladies and gentlemen, you've just ed upped experience element 451's Engage Summit Conference this June and get ready to unleash the power of AI and higher ed marketing deep dive into how this emerging tech will revolutionize the education landscape from personalized student engagement to turbocharging your marketing efforts with AI. 
These sessions are guaranteed to help you smash your enrollment goals, connect with like-minded professionals, explore cutting-edge edtech products and services, and leave with the knowledge to supercharge your institution's growth. Don't wait. Register now at engage.element451.com and seize your chance to lead the pack in the AI-driven education revolution. Use promo code EDUP50 for $50 off your registration. Now, what can you expect at AT23? That's Anthology Together 2023. Well, expect to look into the future, expand your network, and explore solutions with experts. You're going to hear from industry thought leaders. You're going to connect with countless opportunities and people representing different institutions across the globe. You might even get to test out some new tech and help drive future Anthology technology. That's right, Anthology Together. Registration is open at anthologytogether.com.